0: Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, A new tradition that we're going to have here on koinonia we are going to have center for arizona policy in on a monthly basis for the whole hour and so today i have the absolute delight and pleasure to have kathy Herod with me kathy this is fun right
1: it is hi tom so glad to be with you
0: now you is this even anywhere have you had a chance to just go in for a whole hour And just talk about whatever?
1: Not in a long time. Yeah. And and you know I can talk, so. Well, I I was, (laughs) between the two of us, (laughs) an hour's not going to be a problem.
0: That's right. It's really not. Uh, Well, I've got a few housekeeping things here real quickly. Uh, For those of you that haven't purchased your tickets for Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, it's coming up at Highlands Church on October 17th. Now, this is David Payne Productions all the way from the United Kingdom. David Payne is the guy that does the one-man show of C.S. Lewis, and Doug Gresham, C.S. Lewis's stepson, said it's like having his dad on stage. That's the level of quality that you find from David Payne Productions. And uh, they've got like 12 cast members, uh, a two-person puppet for Aslan. You can go up and get your picture taken with Aslan afterwards. And it's just going to be a fun time. And if you use the promo code BROWN, B-R-O-W-N, You will save 20% on your tickets at faithtalk1360.com. It is reserved seating, so you want to go on and get your tickets now. Don't wait till the last few days, faithtalk1360.com. High Point Ministries is our ministry of the month here at the radio station. Ron Zappia is uh, the teacher. You can hear him every morning at 5 and every afternoon at 4.30. And right now we're giving a $100 gift card and a High Point Ministry prize pack if you'll just go uh, check it out, go to faithtalk1360.com. Click on the featured ministry area right in the middle of the web page. Kathy Herod, we have been on the phone. We've been in the studio. We've been at prayer events. Um, how long have you been with Center for Arizona Policy?
1: I've been with Center for Arizona Policy since, since January of 1997, and I am closing out on my 10th year as cap president. Wow.
0: That is... It can't be that long, right? I mean, you have that same. Feel. Hopefully, you have that same feeling.
1: Well, and I'm I'm just grateful that God's enabled me to do this work. I started around '86, actually, in Arizona with Concerned Women for America. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, but you know, after being a wife and mom, this is, you know, what God has called me to as far as my lifelong work.
0: I remember uh, I came to Arizona in '87 and started at KDRS. You may remember KDRS. Yes, I do. And uh, I wanted to be more involved politically. I was just a young guy. And this guy, Trent Franks, Mm -hmm. uh, met him at a pro-life event. he says, you have to do that. He kind of gave me a a game plan. He said, you need to talk to this person. You need to go over here. And it was wonderful. And I am really feeling even after, uh, well, we're coming up on 30 years here, just in a few. I really believe that Arizona is a key place in America for uh, religious liberties and life issues.
1: I couldn't agree more. And you look at um, what God has enabled in this state that, you know, as CAP celebrates our 20th anniversary this year, 136 CAP-supported bills passing into law, Um, the national headquarters of Alliance Defending Freedom being here, that we have a unique combination of the legal beagles, as I call them, Mm -hmm. the legal expertise, the policy expertise, and certainly prayer undergirding so much of what we're doing.
0: And as uh, uh, Benta Clark pointed out uh, last Thursday, uh, the the cooperation between churches and faiths in this state is like nowhere else I've seen, and uh, we're going to have a great day today. The full hour for Center for Arizona Policy. We've got lots to talk about. In fact, I want to find out a little bit more about Kathy's uh, story and integration with uh, CAP. And you can join us. Now we're on. What is the Twitter for AZ Policy?
1: There's yeah. it's AZ Policy.
0: AZ Policy, at AZ Policy for Twitter. So uh, it's being live tweeted, as I've been told. So whatever that is, no, I actually know. But you can follow (laughs) along, at AZ Policy. Hey, uh, Daniel, if you could avoid getting my uh, bald spot in the pictures when you're tweeting them, I'd really appreciate that. Oh, I'm sorry, we're on the air. Uh, This is on faith talk 1360 kpxu what i was talking about is uh, daniel's in here live tweeting this event i've never been live tweeted before so this is uh, this is a new experience for me kathy harrod is joining me it's been 20 years celebrating 20 years of center for arizona policy and for those that don't know uh kathy give us a little bit of a primer on uh cap and how it was founded here
1: well, CAP is what's called a Family Policy Council, and we were part of a vision by Dr. James Dobson to have state-based family policy councils addressing family issues. So Lynn Munsell took up that challenge in 1995, um, kind of revved up. 1996 was the first year that we had a presence at the state legislature, and really with our, our Our early um, motto or or tagline was um, your voice for Arizona families, that at that time in the mid-90s, you didn't really have a pro-family voice speaking out on public policy in our state. So Lynn, through his, as we all know, Lynn Munsell is a very gifted writer and communicator. So Lynn began speaking out on the issues. And and from there, really, CAP was launched. And and here we are 20 years later.
0: And I have uh, been amazed. I didn't, I wasn't aware of these kinds of things, but uh, ADF as well, the reason that we were losing some of the battles, it wasn't because we didn't have the better position. There was nobody there.
1: That And actually, at that time, in, at the Arizona State Capitol, there was a moratorium. There was a, you know, that they weren't going to deal with social issues. So so CAP's mission is, is very well defined that we promote and defend the foundational values, foundational principles of life, marriage and family, and religious freedom.
0: I'm going to ask you to do something you're not comfortable doing, and that is... Uh, Center for Arizona Policy is the premier family policy council in the United States. It truly is. Uh, you've had great team uh, members along the way to make this happen. But we are truly blessed here in the state of Arizona with ADF and CAP and other organizations. But tell us just a little bit, really, how we are blessed here in Arizona compared to other states that don't have a vibrant, active community like this.
1: Well, Tom, I like to trace it back to... Um, this would probably be around 2002, something like that, when Lynn when Munsell really felt a burden that things looked grim. They looked as grim as they look now in today's culture. And he felt a calling to start 21 days of prayer. And there, we had prayer assemblies at the Capitol, and we've continued that tradition of having major prayer efforts before every election, but really laying a foundation of prayer and praying for good government, praying that God would have mercy on us, and really seeking God's guidance for our state. I also look back to the 2008 marriage amendment Mm -hmm. effort, and in that 2008 marriage amendment, it was a time when people in Arizona came together around a shared value, whether you were Catholic, evangelical, LDS, um, across different ethnicities, and really came around a shared value. But what happened then was important. Not only did people vote for a marriage amendment, but they voted for pro-life, pro-family values. And that's what's led to 66 different laws in the last um, six years, roughly, on life, marriage, and religious freedom, led to the abortion rate going down. And so what we've seen is when you pray, when you register to vote, when you vote your values, then you can absolutely make a difference in public policy and in our culture, and including saving the lives of babies and sparing their mothers the harms of abortion.
0: The name of my show now is Koinonia, Passionate Communion. Communing one with another is, I believe, what we were created for. And I very distinctly remember in this studio, uh, the program was Your World with Tom Brown, but I had um, uh, Bruce from KFLR here. I had Hal and Cheryl Sachs from Bridge Builders and uh, a few others. And we were specifically praying Uh, and talking about the Ten Commandments that we were going to be and and that we needed to gird everything in prayer. And that was kind of led from uh, our time with Lynn saying, hey, you know, we need to be praying for our government officials. So I started a a little bit of a prayer effort here that every day we would pray for a different legislator, whether you agree with them or not. That's not how prayer, you know, it's not just praying for things that um, you like, but praying for people,
1: we're called to pray for those in authority over us, not just for those that we agree with. Yeah,
0: Amen. So, prayer, a strong foundation, and it's when I say uh, such a time and such a place as this here in Arizona. Uh, we'll talk more details, but just as a general overview, what's the future like? Uh, future look like to you here?
1: Well, I'm very concerned. Um, I believe, um, with the Supreme Court decision redefining marriage, with how quickly that came about, we are seeing a seismic cultural shift going on in our, in our nation and in our state. Um, the future of religious freedom is very much in jeopardy. And so it's really a time for the people of Arizona to not only pray, but to once again really engage, to broaden our base, and to make our voices heard. Um, when we see in other states where a 70-year-old grandmother— who um, served the LGBT community for 10 years, did flowers for the um, same-sex individual, when she simply declined to participate in an event, his wedding. She gets sued by the state of Washington, and she is threatened with losing not just her business, but also her home and her livelihood. So the question that we face as a nation and as a state, are we going to respect the right of individuals to live and work according to their faith? And I believe that's the greatest challenge that we face in our state today.
0: I have learned from you specifically that there is no such thing as an unimportant election.
1: That's right. And, you know, people are going to get tired of us saying this because, oh, this is the most important election of of my lifetime. Well, it's hard to imagine a more important election than the 2016 presidential election. And we've said this, yes, for several cycles, but the future of the United States Supreme Court is at stake um, where our country goes as a nation. Um, It is not a time well— my, my favorite scripture verse I would have despaired unless I would have known, I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of my favorite verses. It's not a time for despair. It's not a time for growing weary. No, it's a time to keep our eyes on the Lord and keep marching forward to stand up for what we believe in.
0: And are we able to make a benchmark? Are we able to make a difference here in Arizona as it uh, goes out across the country?
1: Oh, we absolutely are. And we we have you know, we are part of a um, kind of loosely uh, affiliated network of family policy councils around the state. We work together on a regular basis. We work with our national allies. What's being done in Arizona is being copied around the nation. And so we ha- whether it's our voter guides, our azvoterguide.com website, the other activities that we do at CAP. It absolutely we're making a difference And what happens here in Arizona d- is able to be used by other states.
0: So we're going to have more time to talk about uh, details of things, upcoming uh, events to be participating in, issues to be aware of. But I'm curious, uh, in your uh, your tenure at Center for Arizona Policy, before you were president, what's what's a highlight memory or just something, just a story that just kind of comes to mind when you're thinking back?
1: Well, when I think about those early years, I think about um, really working on the life issue. And what is always, you know, why I get up every morning and fight this battle is I think of that woman out there who's considering having an abortion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not only concerned about a preborn child, but also the women that are involved. So we tried for probably 12 years to pass what's called informed consent legislation to simply ensure that 24 hours before a woman has an abortion that she's given the facts, that she's told about the alternatives of abortion, about the gestational age of her preborn child. Given the information, really, that a woman needs to decide whether or not to have an abortion, we know, without a doubt, when women are given information, when they're given the facts, that more will choose life and not abortion. And so, I can picture being at the Capitol, you know, on a bench outside the Capitol after we just lost the bill by one vote in the House, or then the next year we lost it by one vote in the Senate, and just kind of in, like, i said, so I, for about 24 hours, I had my pity party. Mm-hmm. Oh, woe is me. How could yeah. this have happened? And then after that 24 hours, OK, women are still hurting out there. It's real life, real world. We've got to keep going. And finally, we saw, we've seen now for the last, what, five years in this state, we've had informed consent laws enforced in this country, in this state, making a difference.
0: And it is incredible to me and other observers the amount of, uh, uh, of hate and criticism that came your way over just advocating basic information for women like that.
1: Well, and that's because people don't know the facts. Uh, I would say, if you were to ask me, my greatest frustration is that those people who want to criticize what we do, they don't really ever take time to seek the facts or to sit down and talk about what's going on. You know, what's more tragic than a woman who has an abortion and after the abortion finds out Mm. the facts of fetal development, finds out what her options are? or worse, ends up with a serious complication, which happens, or maybe she's not able to have children again because of how that abortionist did not handle her properly. I mean, what's more tragic than that? We need to give women the facts. And, and there's a lot, there's still much work to be done, but at least we've made tremendous progress.
0: And we have to do it from a position of love. We, you, you just have to. And I've seen nothing but that from you and others at CAP. So I don't always leave everything that I read in the
1: press. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or see on TV or even hear on the radio sometimes. Uh, As since you've been president, what's a a highlight memory or something fun?
1: Oh, gosh. I guess um, this isn't policy-driven as much as it, I would say the young people, the millennials, um, the people coming through our office to join our staff. I think about one individual who spent a couple of years with us, then went to Harvard Law School. I think about our recent communications director going to work for the Attorney General's office. Our General Counsel Vice President of Policy, who graduated from ASU Law School, has been with us for four years. You know, Others who have passed through our doors, who went to Columbia Law School, went to University of Virginia Law School. Um, just, just the quality of the young people. Um, our new communications director Who's tweet, mm-hmm. live tweeting today, Daniel? That's the the talk, um, the commitment um, not only to the Lord but also to. This cause, to this movement, um, to standing for life, marriage, and religious freedom. That for those of us who've been around for a while, to see the energy, the passion, the enthusiasm of the next generation coming up, being willing to be trained as leaders and make a difference. You know, that's one of the things that has been the most fun for me. And th- I hope, you know, keeps me on my toes and keeps me sharp on how CAP communicates, how we present ourselves.
0: Yeah. And I just, seeing your interns over the last four or five years has been exciting and encouraging to me because. I do believe in our next generation. I do believe when uh, somebody like, uh, you know, Voices for the Voiceless says, you know, we will see an end in abortion in our lifetime. I I believe it. And, you know, there is an opportunity. We were actually together uh, for a prayer event when the news came down from the Supreme Court this year. And there's that moment. But we don't have to despair. Uh, We don't.
1: No, and I, one thing that I've learned through the years is the Scripture verse that, that really I've, I've hung my hat on, to put it that way, is Proverbs twenty one thirty one that the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord, or the horse is made ready for the day of battle, is the ESA ver, ESA, ESV version. So we're to be prepared. I believe we each have a calling. We're to do something to stand for righteousness in our land, but the results are totally in God's hands.
0: I know you feel this way. I feel this way about my simple role here in front of a microphone. That uh, I'm doing what I was called to do, the results are the Lord's.
1: And there's great joy in knowing that, regardless of their wins or losses, it's about obedience to a holy God.
0: Amen. Very well said, Kathy Herod, President, Center for Arizona Policy. We're going to continue this conversation. There's some really, really neat events coming up we want to talk about and have you show up at. So stay tuned. In fact, why don't you tweet one of your friends? To tune in and listen with us. It's uh, at AZ Policy at Tom Brown AZ at Faith Talk thirteen sixty. Any one of those three, and you'll catch what's going on as we live tweet on Coinania today on Faith Talk thirteen sixty KPXQ. It is Center for Arizona Policy Day here on Coinania. We're going to do this on a regular monthly basis. Kathy Herod is joining me today. Now, she's not necessarily going to be here all hour, every time, every. She's busy. And there is, I, I was joking uh, with uh, your former communications director, Aaron. You know, when we first started, there was a little bit of a lull in the summer, but not anymore. It's 24 7, 365 now, right? It,
1: it really is.
0: It, it, it just never lets up. Part of that is social media, don't you think?
1: It is, and that Arizona families don't leave for the summer like like we did many you know, years ago. That that's a big... with the population growth, with younger families, that type, you know, that that Arizonans t- hang around in the summer. Plus, you know, some of these summers we've had some of the biggest news breaking. If you, you know go back a few years, um, abortion clinic regulation that issue erupted in the summer. On, I can remember like in the middle of July mm-hmm. because a young woman had died at an right. abortion clinic.
0: So it's different now than it used to be. But twenty years—that's a long time. That's Uh, Now you're talking history, and you are going to be celebrating on the 20th of this month. Kathy, tell us about this upcoming event.
1: It's going to be a very special evening. um, We're going to have Shane and Shane, one of the more popular Christian music artists, in concert that evening. And it'll be a time of thanking God, um, being thankful for the last um, 20 years, but also looking forward to what's ahead. What do we need to do to to leave a legacy, to make a difference in 2016? We will have joining us a special guest, Alan Sears from Alliance Defending Freedom, Len Munsell, our founding president, Governor Jan Brewer. We'll have um, special congratulatory messages from others like Congressman Trent Franks, Governor Ducey. So it will be um, a time to not just you know, thank God for the past, but really to look forward. Um, it's at Mesa Arts Center. It's Tuesday night, October 20th, less than two weeks away. Um, so we encourage people to get your tickets today and really join us for this special time.
0: You can go to azpolicy.org. That's azpolicy.org. Or you can call 602-424-2525. That's 602-424-2525. And, uh, Kathy, one of the things that I know, as you said in your a uh, little bit of your uh, background, that the life issue is an incredibly important issue. And uh, we've had some great victories here in the state of Arizona. And keeping in mind that this is – boy, there, the the parsing of the, the lexicon on this uh, over the years has been – well, it's been something pretty terrifying at times to watch how – misinformation gets passed along as fact, and uh, science has really changed the game uh, in the last decade or so as far as what we can provide to women that come into uh, uh, you know a, a women's center like the uh, uh, Choices or uh, Life Center or any of the number one wonderful organizations uh, across the valley that are truly there to serve the needs of the woman. Um, why have we had success here in Arizona and what do we still need to do?
1: I believe there are two key factors. I believe, first, through ultrasound technology, you simply cannot deny the humanity of the preborn child. When you see ultrasound pictures of a preborn child as early as eight, nine, ten weeks, the time when most abortions still happen, you can't deny that that is a living, growing human being, a, a, a form of a baby. So I think ultrasound technology has changed the dynamics of the debate. But I think the other key ingredient is that we all know a woman who had an abortion and regretted her decision. So we all know a woman who really wasn't given choice, wasn't given informed choice, and who suffered as a result. So I think we've seen that that the bill of goods, to put it that way, that Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry sold women, sold the culture, has simply not been... um, as advertised, to put it in those terms. And so um, women have been harmed by abortion. Women have been, have had, you know, I've often said, we know abortion stops a beating heart. Abortion breaks a woman's heart. Yeah. And so I think that those. And men too. And men as well. And we've seen increasingly men coming out um, and, and, you know, saying that, yes, they paid for it. They coerced the woman, whatever. And how, or, or they had a woman make the decision and the male had no choice in it. Yeah,
0: that was my situation. Got a phone call. The last time that I spoke with her, and uh, through other circumstances, now going to be celebrating 27 years of marriage this November, I don't have children. So that's my abortion story, and that, and I'm willing to share the pain that goes. Don't tell me, guys, that this isn't important. Or is it impactful to you? Because it is.
1: Yeah. So I think that I also um, you look at the Planned Parenthood videos and what's happened with the uncovering of that. When we talk about the deadly and dangerous practices of the abortion industry – well, the Center for Medical Progress Videos has proven that fact, that we know that, that body parts are being traded, they are being sold. And so, you know, I think that people, that the veil has been removed, and I shouldn't put it that way, but basically the door has been opened mm-hmm. to see what the evil really is that lurks inside of an abortion industry. Talk to me
0: about some of the bills that uh, CAP has uh, articulated and, and well, really There's a lot here in the state.
1: Well, two favorite ones come to mind. The first is the parental rights bill. And this is the Arizona law that says the right of parents to direct the education, upbringing, and health care of their children is a fundamental right. And basically the government cannot mess with it without a really good reason. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not the legalese, but that's basically what the law means. Good for me. And then the other one is a right of conscience law that says if you have if you're a professional licensed by the state, your license cannot be suspended, denied or revoked because of your religious beliefs. Mm. So those two are what I call gems just sitting in our Arizona state law. They've not been challenged. Um, They're just waiting there ready to protect the rights of parents and how they raise their children and to protect the rights of licensed professionals to follow their beliefs and to be able to live and work according to their faith.
0: But, Kathy, have abortions actually decreased in Arizona?
1: They have decreased in in Arizona, and we're waiting for the latest numbers from the Arizona Department of Health Services. But the preliminary numbers show that since 2011 that we've had a decrease of about 1,500 fewer abortions a year. In 2011, there were 14,400 abortions in the state of Arizona. And the preliminary numbers, they're not final, they're not published yet, but the preliminary numbers for 2014 will show less than 13,000 abortions. Mm. So, roughly about a 1,500 drop. So, a 10% drop. We've also seen fewer abortion clinics. So, you know, these laws do matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, of course, you mentioned it earlier the work of our pregnancy resource centers is so critical that we provide women with, when they choose not to have an abortion, they choose, like, that we're there to help them to embrace them within our church communities as well as within the culture
0: I like to talk about the fact that the battle is multifaceted and uh, it, it, it ranges fully and you you can find a place to plug in if uh, ag- advocacy and prayer whatever your specific calling is get plugged in and you can start aZpolicy.org there's a ton of resources there uh, as we move forward I'm very excited about The uh, the next few months, actually, here in our state, I remember uh, marching from Encanto Park, you know, with uh, thousands of other uh, life. Me too. Individuals. (laughs) Uh And I want to return to that because we need to show up uh, as identifiable headcount. I know that seems to take it, make it very uh, sterile, but it's it's true.
1: Well, it's, it's, and it's much more than showing up once a year for a rally. That's really it, good. It's each one being prepared in season and out of season, to put it in those terms, to share with anyone they encounter in their path. Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about by the time a woman knows she's pregnant, that baby has a beating heart, that that baby is formed and developing within her? You know, that do we, you know have you thought about here's how abortion hurts women? We've got to be prepared to really present to anyone who crosses our path the truth about abortion.
0: I have made uh, mention a couple of times in the last month or so that Planned Parenthood uh, is more vulnerable than I've seen them in my knowledge of their existence uh, because of the videos. What in reality have you seen? uh, You know, my sphere is kind of small, but what have you seen the impact that these videos about Planned Parenthood have had on the cause?
1: I don't think we know yet. Um, I'm concerned that um, it will grow stale that not enough people really see the videos, that um, it's the pro-life community that is really keyed in on the videos. Mm -hmm. So how much the videos are persuading the -the middle-of-the-road person or the person who's pro-choice that, indeed, what's going on is wrong uh, is unknown at this point. Um, As we know, the mainstream media has not covered this issue like they should have. Mm Um, I think the congressional hearing last week could have brought out some more facts than it did. But at least to its credit, the pro-life leaders in the United States Congress have more hearings to come. So if we can keep the story going, I do think it can be an issue in the presidential election. I do think that, that we, what we've done at Center for Arizona Policy will continue to do to point out those candidates that support Planned Parenthood, to point out those elected officials who have taken money from Planned Parenthood, and to do everything we can – to say that not only should taxpayer dollars not go to Planned Parenthood, but we need to have greater, um, you know, stronger laws protecting preborn children.
0: We talked a little bit earlier about the, uh, the age of uh, when most abortions happen, uh, you know, eight weeks along, something along those lines. Um, w- age of women that are, are, are uh, having abortions, where are we at?
1: Um, it's, it's over 50%. It's somewhere in the 58 or 59% range. Don't fact check me on that. But it's somewhere in that range of all abortions are women in ages 20 to 29, mm-hmm. and with most of those being 20 to 24. So mm-hmm. we know that that's still over half of the abortions are in that, that 20-something age group, and that's where we really need to focus our, our attention. You know, what can we do to focus our attention to reach the abortion-minded woman in her 20s?
0: Obviously, we need legislation, we need to make that battlefront. Uh, secure, how, how do we reach out to this generation, these women? Uh, because it's, is it a pro- just a process of education?
1: I think it's partly that. I think it's social media. I think it's, um, you know, I think we've got to really. Um, have testimonies. I think it's, when I look at the work that, um, for example, that Students for Life of America does, that Voices for the Voiceless does, I think the peer-to-peer challenging, um, the, the peer-to-peer sharing about testimonies, I think to for the young woman to stop and think, is this really going to be a solution to a problem I'm facing, or is it, what risk does it carry to me? That I, um, I think, too, I think we've got to step back. Why is a woman having an abortion? Mm-hmm. And what we continue to be told is that she's having an abortion because she either doesn't have a support system around her, that basically she doesn't feels like she has no alternatives, that it's either her or the baby and what, how can she carry through. So I think we can do a lot to promote adoption. I think that, that we need to really um, can uphold adoption as a as for the common good, as a, is it valuable in our community instead of a horror story kind of thing? And so I think there's a lot that we can do to encourage young women to carry their babies to term. And if they feel like they can't parent or they don't have the support system, to give their child to a loving home. Yeah.
0: I, in my prayer time and just observation of what's going on in our culture, even uh, headlines from Oregon last week, uh, the real issue here is, is we've lost the value of life. Yes, In all areas, and that's the pro-life issue, obviously. Uh, That's very strong, but it's uh, prevalent throughout our culture. We don't value life, and we need to let young people know that they matter.
1: And we knew that that would be an outcome of abortion on demand at any age for any reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kathy Herrod, Center for Arizona Policy. It's our hour. Uh, We need to, uh, Daniel, let's get to work. We need a, a, a pithy, awesome name for this hour. So something really snazzy. That we can use and promote. Uh, We're going to continue the conversation. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Continuing the conversation. This is fun.
1: I like this. I agree. I like
0: this a lot. Uh, We're going to do this. Daniel's going to come up with a a great name for the hour. But Center for Arizona Policy, going to be in uh, on a regular basis here. We've done segments in the past. Uh, I've been an advocate, uh, used to go, you know, Mountain Men Prayer with. Lynn, uh, and a lot of other things. In fact, my original exposure to Center for Arizona Policy really came through prayer. And my uh, willingness or wanting to be more involved in praying for our government leaders, that's really how I was introduced to it overall. And uh, just seeing the incredible work uh, that uh, CAP has done over the years, Uh, And knowing that the impact is very real and the struggle, the fight is very, very real as well. Uh, 20th anniversary coming up on the 20th of October. You can get tickets at azpolicy.org. But there's another event coming up next month that uh, is not getting nearly the press yet that it should be getting. And I am a big, big fan. Uh, Dr. Del Tackett uh, is going to be in town. I'm excited. I am, too. I am so excited anytime uh, I, I get to the Truth Project I've done. Mary and I, we have hosted it numerous times. Uh, we're, I want to see it again. I, In fact, the, the beginning of this year, uh, just looking at my news browser almost every day cemented the fact that, you know what, we need to have another round of the Truth Project valley-wide. So if you're listening to me right now and you think the same way, you need to contact me because I'm idea-generating. Uh, a way that we can have a valley-wide focus on the Truth Project uh, coming up in 2016. But tell us about this event, Reclaiming Hope.
1: Well, on Saturday, November 7th at Bethany Bible, we're going to have Dell Tackett back in for a Truth Encounter. Um, Dell has a new website, thetruthencounter.com, and he is blogging and he's working on a new video series. But if you, let me back up a minute, if you're not familiar with the Truth Project, the Truth Project is a small group biblical worldview curriculum that you go through as a small group in your home, ideally, and really challenges us on, do we believe that what we really believe is real? I probably got those words a little mixed up, but it's something it like right. that. I never quite get it right, but it's basically: Are we really living out a biblical worldview? And as believers, we can we can go to church, we can be reading our Bibles, but are we stringing it all together? And what through what lens are we looking through at life? Are we looking through the biblical worldview lens, or are we looking through a secular? It, it's based somewhat on the George Barna research from from a while back that very few believers are really um, understand. what what a biblical worldview is. So um, Dell takes us on different tours through different um, spheres of influence, whether it might be um, marriage, history, government, um, those types of philosophy, science, those types of things. But what I'm really excited about is I heard Dell give um, three different talks in July, and I sat there thinking, it is time to bring Dell Tackett back to Arizona. (coughs) And if you have not heard Dell Tackett before, or if you're not familiar with the Truth Project, set aside Saturday morning, November 7th, 8:30 um, to 12:30. It's the information is all available at azpolicy.org. Um, it's a ten dollar cost just to cover our expenses and come spend a morning. I would say that this is appropriate for junior high and older children as well. Um, Dale has a special gift, I believe in connecting with college and high school yeah. students. Um, they could listen to him talk for hours. Um, he, he, um, Dale will talk about, we're going to gaze upon the face of God, um, and how, and take a tour of what God intends for mankind in this life. And so it will be a very special morning.
0: It is. In, uh, this is an example, I believe of somebody coming into their calling and what they were created for Dell Tackett. And his ability to articulate truth, and it, for me, I, it's like, oh, I believe that. I'm a professional, right? Theoretically, in uh, speaking, mm-hmm. he helped me articulate my own beliefs in right. a way that I'd never experienced before.
1: Yeah, especially if you're concerned about the culture, or you're even somewhat frustrated, or you're thinking, okay, what good is it going to do anymore? Or we've lost, we've lost the battle. Or you know, if you're if you're down about what's going on in our culture, and you. It, it's really even more reason to come and because it's, it, will be, it will motivate you, it will inspire you, and it will challenge you. Um, what steps do we need to take to make a difference in this world? And Dell and is, you know, I heard him talk about that in July, and I think he'll be sharing some of the same things. If you have friends in Tucson, on Friday, November 6th, yeah. we're doing a luncheon in Tucson. Um, it'll be a shortened version of what he's doing on Saturday, but um, spread the word.
0: And you can go to azpolicy.org to get more information on that and the 20th anniversary as well. And, you know, sign up for their newsletter. You can get the uh, Five Minutes for Families on the on Friday. Uh, there's all kinds of bill tracking. If you want to know how your uh, representative has voted in the past on issues that are important to you, you can find it, azpolicy.org. And uh, we've talked about the life issue. We've talked about CAP in general uh, religious freedoms. I mean, there's I, I remember I don't know. Has it been three years ago now? The bathroom bill, you know, some of the stuff, some of the, what I think is basic common sense. How, can, how why can't we get along? We can't come to an agreement on what you would think would just be a simple. This just makes sense for a good society.
1: Well, and it's important to first look at what the First Amendment to our United States Constitution means, that it gives us the right to freely exercise our religious beliefs. And when you hear someone say, oh, it's about institutions being protected. No, it's the individual right to live and work according to your faith. When you hear someone say, oh, it's the freedom to worship, no, it's not the freedom to worship. Freedom to worship is merely to observe your religion by within the four walls of your church. No, the First Amendment is to practice our religion, to live it out in our daily lives. So we have to make sure we're grounded in understanding what religious freedom means. And what we see going on in this country is an effort to add um, to what's called protected classes, um, sexual orientation, and gender identity. And to say statewide in Arizona cities, Glendale's um, going to be considering an ordinance, Scottsdale, Mesa, that says you cannot discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Well, when government moves in that direction— then they're equating sexual orientation with discrimination based on race or gender. Mm -hmm. So stop and think about what that means. It means that if you're a a Christ follower who believes that God designed marriage to be one man and one woman, who believes that the biblical ethic on sexuality is God's law and God's design and we're to follow that, well our government would now be saying that you are as bigoted on issues of sexual orientation as you are, as we would say about someone who is a racial um, bigot or who is a racist. Mm -hmm. And so the threat that we face on that level from these new laws and new proposals cannot be um, underestimated so so that's how religious freedom will be restricted that will our pastors remain free as they are today under the first amendment to preach the gospel on matters of human sexuality um will the the private business owners be able to continue the florists the bakers the photographers to to um not discriminate against people on the basis of their sexuality, but to say they won't participate in an event, a wedding that goes against their religious beliefs. Um, well, faith based adoption agencies remain free to require a faith-based, uh, a statement of faith for foster parents, for adoptive parents, um, to follow their religious beliefs? Or is the government going to say, like they have in Boston, in Washington, D.C., in Illinois, to say that if you're an adoption agency, you either place babies in same-sex households or you stop doing adoptions? So those are very real issues. You know, on the issues, when you mentioned the bathroom bill, um, for parents out there to stop and think... <coughs> your child who's in second grade who starts the year with Mr. Smith as his teacher and three months into the school year, Mr. Smith wants to be a transgendered individual and be Mrs. Smith. Um, do you want to deal with that in the public schools in second grade? I mean, you know, do you That's want tough. your, you know, do you want your little girl going into a bathroom where a boy who wants to um, be transgendered as a girl is going to go in that same bathroom? I mean, these, you know, these are real stories. I mean, we can. It's happening in other states. It's hap- It's beginning to happen in Arizona. So those are the, you know, what is what's going to happen to religious freedom? What's going to happen to parental rights? Those are very real issues that we face in the days ahead.
0: I think one of the keys is understanding that. It is a real event. Uh, Alan Sears wrote the uh, fictional book, I don't know, six or seven years ago, Injustice. Some of the stories were in there. It's like, oh, that's not... No, those were all based on actual cases. And now it's even more real than when that book came out. We can't just sit on the sidelines anymore uh, as people of faith. We just can't.
1: Now, each... I remember... um Probably over a year ago, John Piper did a, a podcast and where he talked about each one of us is going to have to make the decision, would you attend a same-sex wedding? Um, I know of a pastor who would challenge us and say, well, to affirm a same-sex relationship is to deny your relationship with God and what God ordains for relationships. So each one, each Christ follower, um, each individual, but especially each Christ follower, each church is going to have to decide where do we stand on these issues, and do we follow what God's Word says, or do we compromise and dilute the the truth of God's Word?
0: And what I would think would be a rational thought is if I were— um, uh, somebody that was wanting to have a, a, a same sex ceremony, uh, and I went to a florist, and they didn't want to. Why would I go? Why would I want them to participate? Well, it it's obvious they just want to push the issue, to make uh, to make hay, so to speak, or to make a legal precedence. Because I if I don't like a food, I don't go to that restaurant. It just doesn't make logical sense to me, yet it's being pushed all the time.
1: You know, the example of Elaine Huguenin in Albuquerque, the photographer who was sued by two lesbians when she declined to be hired for their same-sex commitment ceremony, and Elaine lost her case at the New Mexico Supreme Court. Well, in the city of Albuquerque, there were only something like fifty other photographers that the two lesbians could have hired for their same-sex commitment ceremony, because it was before wedding was was um, redefined and legalized. And so that that's the you know can we respect individual freedoms in this country or not? And if anyone's listening and they're they're thinking, well. I'm not religious or I don't, I don't really care about the statement of faith or, you know, where people are at on the First Amendment. Well, stop and think it's also the right to believe. It's not mm-hmm. simply the right to have your religious beliefs, but it's the very right to believe. It's the very freedom that if religious freedom goes to, becomes a thing of the past in this country, what will freedom mean? Right. If we can't defend religious freedom in this country, then freedom will become meaningless in this country. And you can we, we've seen it in other countries. It's going to happen.
0: I'm really certain that many that are fighting this battle on that side uh, are going to realize that uh, they didn't think it through Mm -hmm. Uh, I I believe that's going to be part of the case Uh, religious freedom issues uh, here in our state uh, across the country Uh, I'm going to say something that I say to my audience all the time Kathy and I want your input or comment on it I say that as people of faith that we must be registered to vote we must Uh, be informed as a voter and we must vote that it's without equivocation
1: we need to be really aware that we will stand before a holy god someday and be accountable for what we did in this life including did we register to vote, and did we vote our values? That voting is another way that we honor that God placed us in the country, this country where freedom still means something, mm-hmm. where we're still free to elect our leaders, and we're accountable for those decisions, just like so much else of what we do in this life.
0: We're going to come back, close out. We have prayer. Uh, I can't believe the hour's almost over. This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. The hour has gone by so very quick. Uh, I like to close with prayers. center for Arizona policy president, Kathy Herod in studio. And uh, well, let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we just thank you for giving us an opportunity to know you. We know that you are sovereign, that you are Lord and Lord, you've called us each and every one with a plan and a purpose. And Lord, I pray that we'll step out in boldness And I want to lift up Kathy and her team as they have been on the front lines and continue to be, Lord, fighting for uh, the things that you put before us, that we want to fight for life because we know that life, all life, is precious. And, Lord, that you have tasked us with getting in the battle that you've called us to and equipped us for. Lord, I lift up our leaders that uh, they will seek out godly wisdom uh, and that you'll put in their path people of faith that can point them to you. Lord, thank you for my wife, Mary. Bless her. Give her an awesome day. In thy heavenly name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, two big things coming up. Uh, October 20th the 20th anniversary.
1: 20th anniversary celebration. Shane wow. and Shane in concert. Lynn Munsell, Gunnar Jan Alan Sears, myself. It'll be a sweet night. Join us, Mesa Arts Center. Go to azpolicy.org to get your tickets today.
0: Also go for Reclaiming Hope, The Truth Encounter with Dr. Del Tackett that's coming up November 7th, uh, 7th at Bethany Bible Church. I love Dr. Tackett. If you've not I need to get him on the phone to, you know, just talk a few things here in the next month. So if you're not familiar with the Truth Project, you can, uh, you can know what a great, great articulate speaker and teacher Dr. Del Tackett is. Kathy, I'm looking. I'm already, uh, I'm already in for next
1: month. Great, me too. All right. <laughs> Thank you.